And we are kicking things off here with season two of the Let's Be Frank video podcast. I am Jason Dewey, excited to be back. And we're going to go ahead and bring along head coach Frank Monica. Extremely excited about season two. For tonight's show, we're going to have Jamboree recap some week one previews of high school football. Special guest JT Curtis. In our Let's Be Frank segment, we're going to talk about the LHSAA playoff injunction. And in Blitz the Ball, Coach, we're going to talk about bracket coverage versus man coverage. So, Coach, another season. Uh, we're starting off season two here for our podcast. Uh, how do you feel going into this season after getting your feet wet last year? Well, you know, it's really, really exciting because, you know, football season, there's nothing like it, especially Friday night football and Saturday afternoon, Saturday night ball. Everybody's undefeated. Everybody's excited. The media builds up everyone like they're going to be undefeated and, and everybody's an All-American at this time and, and uh, so forth. So everything right now is very, very positive until all of a sudden somebody hits you in the mouth and things will change drastically after Friday and Saturday and Sunday. Oh. Coach, I don't know. I don't know what what league you played, and I wasn't even a preseason All American. I'm like, I couldn't have made the the third team All Honorable Mention team. But let's go ahead and jump into prep talk as we're going to dive in a lot of jamborees that took place this past weekend. Some quality matchups. We we'll start out. We had Saint Aug taking on Shaw. Coach, thirteen nine victory in favor of Saint Aug, but it was a tight ball game and. Shaw's defense really stepped up in that one. And I, not only that, St. Aug had, had to come on at the end of the game to win the ball game. So uh, that, that's a, that's be, and St. Aug's supposed to be loaded. But uh, again, right now, everybody is. And you never know what the, the injury bug can hit people. And, and uh, But, you know, Shaw has uh, been, been a beneficiary of some real, real nice uh, transfers there. So uh, they could be a team to contend with, especially since they moved down to the 4-H class. Lutcher took on Destrahan. Destrahan pulled out the seven nothing win. Two state champions going at the head in the jamboree, and that's a nice job by Lutcher to keep it within seven points. Again, uh, going to have to find a way to move the ball offensively. Having Winfield headed out this season, no question. That, that uh, from what I understand, I talked to Coach Jenkins the other day. He substituted two co- quarterbacks. One of them was his son. Uh, he played them both in the game. It looks like that's going to be the scenario throughout the year to play two different quarterbacks. But you're right. He has to find another offense because, you know, Winfield had 30, 40 carries a ball game last year. So, but, you know, the, he also hung in there with a real, real good, talented Destrian team. And they still have a lot of D1 guys all over, all over the field. So it's going to be interesting to see how that shakes down. The Destrian, I mean, uh, Lutcher's defense is very good. Rummel took on St. Paul's and pulled it out 13 to 10, but it took a late game effort by the Rummel Raiders to pull that one out. Yeah, they, they trailed in the ball game, and I, I think uh, they also were playing two quarterbacks. and And the, the second guy that came in actually threw two touchdown passes, and they, they were they were very very fortunate to come out of there against a very physical and big St. Paul's team. Brother Martin took on John Errett, 10-7 victory in favor of Brother Martin, coming off that trip to the state finals last year. Kind of feeling like they're going to build some momentum, but a, a really new ball club there. And uh, John Errett always has a physical, big, athletic group of guys. It's all about putting it together. Uh, no question. I think that, uh, you know, I think Brother Martin was, was pretty resilient in that ball game. And, and it, was, it went back and forth for a little bit from what I can understand. So, uh, but, the, you know, they're always going to be good. Coach Bo needs to do a phenomenal job. He's got, you know, a lot of players. He's got, he's got numbers. But Errett's always got some people that can that can run and, and uh and, and they'll be physical, and they can play. They'll, they'll always have some college prospects on their field. St. James took on De La Salle, defeated them 6 to nothing. It, it's always hard to tell, Coach, and, and you mentioned that uh, when we were talking before, 
how much the team puts stock into this jamboree. We know these are two good ball clubs. We know St. James normally has a lot of athletes on the perimeter and in the backfield. I know they have a really special quarterback who's been playing for quite some time, uh, only putting up six points. Um, but De La Salle is, is no slouch, a very solid physical ball club, usually very big up front in particular, and you would know having played them quite a bit. You know, Jason, what happens with 15-minute halves, if a team gets a long drive and you don't have the ball very much, you don't get many at-bats. I mean, so that's why it's hard to de decipher exactly how good is the football team. Uh, you, you can tell a little bit of, about your team, but it doesn't tell the entire story. Uh, but that's also the first time, Jamboree's first time that you, you test your special teams. And uh, with new personnel, a new scheme, because if they go change schemes, that's where they're going to want to look at it. Uh, because people don't use a scheme in any type of special teams in, in the scrimmages. So the first time, the initial time you're looking at a new plan is in the, in the Jamboree. So that's why it's hard, to, it's hard to, to predict how these Jamborees will go. Coach, I know you changed your punting formation at one point. It threw a lot of people off. Did you kind of field test it? at some point during the Jamboree? Because I remember a lot of guys from back in the day were saying, I can't believe Coach changed his, his philosophy. So you kind of went to that more spread out style. Did you kind of field test it during that time? Uh, you know, you, you, you go to and you pick up you pick up things as a coach, and sometimes you go to a clinic and you really like something that you see and you try to install it. But it's the most important thing is you teach something that you know. And if you know it well, stick with stick with that plan. If it works, why change it? And a lot of time we, we want to be gurus in this game and we, we see it, 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 we look sexy on television and somebody else is doing it. But the most important thing is you better have success doing it. You better know what you're doing because uh, if, you know, if there's a mistake, uh, as Coach Curtis and I talked about, if there's a mistake out there, you know how to correct it. Absolutely. And Coach St. Charles Catholic defeated Pontstool 22 to nothing, two-time defending state champions under Wayne Stein, very well-coached team. Concern maybe coming into the season would be offensive production, but they seem to be doing just fine after that twenty-two to nothing victory in the Jamboree. He's got a new quarterback, but he's pretty talented. He's got a, he's got a heck of an arm. Uh, they got a, a new running back, a, a little tailback that can really go. They got a couple of guys on the outside that can go. The, um, the offensive line's not real deep, uh, but their defense has got a lot of people returning, and uh, it's going to be really hard. You're not going to see big numbers run up against their defense and. Uh, in fact, uh, they had a they had a defensive touchdown in that in that short ball game, and I, I think you know, like I said before, unless you play them, you really don't know what you're getting yourself into. You better be prepared in all phases. Coach St. Martin's took on Newman. Newman pulled out the 28 to 14 victory. You mentioned that that St. Martin scoring those 14 points against a pretty stout Newman team was pretty impressive, and we'll see if they can kind of push forward moving uh, moving into the season. Yeah, what I understand is that uh, they didn't. St. Martin did not stop Newman. Newman scored uh, whenever they had the football. Bit on the flip side for them to give up two touchdowns to him. And again, I, I know they do a heck of a job. Uh, Coach Dyer's first year over there as the head coach, uh, and they got a heck of a running back. But I was surprised that they, again, get when it gets a Newman team that's been there before uh, that they actually scored two touchdowns against. I don't know the uh, exactly how it happened, but um, the score was a little bit closer than I thought it would be. Absolutely, and you got to credit Newman, who continues to push forward. Uh, North Shore defeated Jesuit seven and nothing in what was called a defensive struggle. And obviously, with that final score, that can be kind of stated. Uh, it's hard to put too much stock, as you mentioned, the way that the layout is. But Jesuit is going to have to find a way to move the football a little bit more and, and try to get it. Obviously, put the ball in the end zone if they're going to compete in a brutal Catholic league. 
I talked to Coach Manali during the during the week last week, and he said a lot of underclassmen will start for him on this football team. Uh, that bodes well for the future. Uh, sometimes you have to bite the bullet and do that, and just kind of get your team ready for the future. And and um, who knows? I mean, uh, sometimes these guys, these young guys, will grow up quickly and be really surprised you at the end of the year. And remember, with with everybody making the playoffs like it is. Uh, you can really sacrifice a, a couple of ball games along the road, but it's how you finish the season that counts. And it was Holy Cross defeating Belchase 21-13. to Belchase had a team that made some noise late in the playoffs. Holy Cross, brand-new coaching staff, 18 starters returning. So it was uh, good to see Holy Cross getting off on the right foot, and we'll see if they can continue pushing forward this upcoming week. I think they'll be they'll be one of the more, more talented teams in the whole Catholic League, uh, so there will be a team to, to reckon with. And and uh, you know, Coach Watney, he knows what to do with them. Uh, you know, I've coached against him before. I think they'll do a real, real fine job. And he's got a couple D one guys on that football team, so uh, the, the rest of the district got to beware. But I really believe, you know, Jason, it all depends on how you start. If you get off to a pretty good start. Teams start to get a little bit more confidence in their playing ability. All of a sudden, if you you know somebody hits them in the mouth early, and, and if you don't respond from that, uh, it could be a long season. Absolutely. And before we go ahead and head into week one previously, we want to once again thank the Accardo and Dufresne Law Firms for being the title sponsor of the Let's Be Frank Video Podcast. Again, we wouldn't be able to be able to put on this production without them. And again, we want to make sure we thank them for sponsoring this show. So week one, Coach. Uh, a lot of big games out the gate. We're going to go ahead and start with St. Charles taking on Shaw. We talked about it just a minute ago. Shaw's defense looked really solid in that jamboree. St. Charles, of course, has a, a really good defense. A uh, little bit of changes in the offensive position. You have a brand-new quarterback, but he has some experience. Shaw, a lot of talent offensively. We'll see if they can kind of put it together moving forward against St. Charles. But I would not expect a 30-7 to nothing score like we saw last year. Uh, well, I, I think, you know, Shaw's in all last year. Special teams were a big part of that, a big part of that. And I think they'll be they'll be prepared for, for what St. Charles will bring. Uh, but Shaw picked up two fine receivers. One of them was really like a 6'5 guy uh, on the outside. So he and he and I think they'll be really, really good in the offensive line. Uh, but yet the, um, they'll counter against a real, real good, might be one of the better defenses that St. Charles has had. Uh, that, that they have to go against it. They can run to the ball. They're not extremely, extremely big, uh, but they but they really are built for the spread, the spread um, offense. So um, it's going to be a good game on the road. It's, it's a great opener. I always believe that you you should open up on the road. I like that because I think your team uh, grows up on the road. And in our second game, we have Zachary traveling to East Ascension. Last year it was Zachary winning thirty-five to thirteen. Of course, we know about Zachary. Extremely talented group. They lost. A lot of D1 guys last year, and what do you know? They have just they just reload every year. Uh, Coach Bruton's done a great job there, and East Ascension with a big test to try to start out and and challenge themselves. I think uh, from what I understand, Coach Darnell Lee has told me this might be the biggest team he's ever seen, and everyone that's seen him, he said they're gigantic uh, across the offensive line, defensive line. They average almost 300 pounds in the offensive line, which is unheard of in high school. Some some big old guys, you know. So, and I know Zachary's always talented. But uh, Coach Donnell Lee and his, and his staff, you know, they've always gotten close, but they've not have gotten over the hump. So this could be the year that they do because I, I think finally he's got a quarterback that he can rely on and uh, that really can operate his offense. And moving on, we also have Vanderbilt Catholic traveling to E.D. White. 
Edie White has done a fantastic job of making these deep pushes, especially the last few years in the playoffs. They're trying to get over that hump. Vanderbilt Catholic struggled to find their footing a bit last year. Uh, another year under Coach Milton. We'll see how that plays out. But rivalry game, Coach, you can't beat it, and especially opening out the gate with such a big game. Backyard brawl. They're 15 miles apart. You know, they, 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 both schools are very similar. They have similar talent. They'll be hard-nosed, well-coached guys. Uh, it's going to it's going to come probably come down. This is a game that you can uh, maybe see going to overtime, uh, you know, because both both coaches really, really stress the run game. Uh, I think it's going to be that game could be over in about an hour and a half, you know. But uh, but on the flip side of it, uh, I think Edie White's gotten a better half of it in the last couple of years. But, but Vanderbilt has been very young. And Coach Mentor, I think, has taken that program to another step. Uh, that's a game you would love to see. And because the the the, the rivalry itself is going to be intense, it'll, it'll be a packed house. And, uh, and somebody's going to have to, you know, it's a shame in that game that somebody's going to have to lose it. Coach, last year, Edie White won that game 35 to nothing. You've been on all sides, all ends of rivalry games. When you drop a game like that, not necessarily by that margin, but when you drop a, a, a rival game that big, what is it like to prepare for that game and coming into that week, especially if it's opening the season? Well, you know, the coaches will put it on the board. You know, they'll put that score up on the board all summer long. And say, hey, this is your opening ball game right there, and all the focus will be on that ball game and all your summer preparation. You know, uh, during the summer, coaches normally take one or two games and they break it down and they start installing their game plan even during the summer. And it, it could be little things that they add on the offense or defense, and you it won't show it to anybody until they play that first ball game. So why reveal it and in, in, in when it doesn't count? So. That's you know everybody's got that trump card that they want to play, so that's why that first ball game is very very important. All right, and moving on, we also have a big game between Lafayette Christian, who takes on Acadiana. Last year, Lafayette Christian won thirty-eight to twenty-one. LCA six straight trips to a state final. They dropped their game to who Acadiana lost to in the Jamboree, which was St. Thomas More. We know Acadiana is a fantastic ball club, very well coached. Eight wins last year for Acadiana. Coach, we both know, doesn't cut it there. And they, they have been preaching that all summer to get back to where they know they can be, which is atop the state. One of those teams that run the split back veer better than anybody. And, I mean, uh, they, they, a lot like John Curtis, the way they execute it, uh, they normally do it with speed. They don't have the tremendous size, but they do it with speed and execution. And uh, so, uh, and last year, Christian got an electric quarterback that's back, and he's supposed to be an all-world guy. Uh, so that's a you know that's a cross town rivalry. So you know uh, Lafayette Christian in, in the Lafayette community, you know everybody over there. So that's a big natural rivalry because it, a lot of those kids come from from that same area. And, you know they and they, they play little league ball against one another, but now they're playing. I mean, with one another. Now they're playing against one another from various high schools. As you mentioned, Coach Juwan Johnson, uh, incredible athlete, over five thousand yards and sixty touchdowns. Incredible athlete. Def, uh, LSU commit. Definitely got to keep an eye on, and Lafayette Christian is a team I mentioned last year was young. They still made it to the state finals, and it would not surprise me one bit to see them in that position once again. Rummel takes on Washita Parish. This time they head on the road. Uh was a really big ball game that they played at. It, it was in Hammond last year, right, Coach? And um, it, it, it was in Hammond last year. Yes, it was. And, uh, you know, I think Rummel took advantage of the two long pass plays that they threw the ball against them. But, uh, Washington Parish had a real good running back. I don't know if he, that guy's back this year or not, uh, but they, they have a new coach. And uh, this game, going on the road for Rumble, I mean, 
I know that uh, my son, Coach Nick Monica, is a little, little nervous about it, you know, because you always want to get off to a good start. But going on the road is always a challenge because you got, you got to, with schedules with buses and, and the pregame meals and, and uh, what time you have to leave and, and things of that nature. So that's that's always a challenge in itself. Uh, uh, but uh, the Warsaw Parish is a pretty good opponent, and they always have a lot of speed and the new coaching staff. So he doesn't know what to expect from them, really. It'll definitely be a challenge to also take on Zach Johnson, uh, sorry, Zach Jackson, a third-year quarterback out of Washington Parish. That uh, experience definitely might come down, might be part of what, what happens in this ballgame. Uh, East St. John will take on St. James. East St. John won 28-20 last year in a tight ball game. Uh, St. James, very talented team. We already know that coming in, and we know that East St. John has a lot of athletes, especially on the perimeter, a big line as well. But this is a kind of a backyard brawl type situation again, uh, yeah. three minutes away, and uh, it should be a big matchup. Well, the, other, the East St. John coach Brendan Brown is really, really high on his team. You know, he's he's mentioned that he thinks that he can make a run at the district championship, and and um, uh, but you know, last year, last year the game against St. James is always tough because St. James. Even though they have a couple of players that uh, are not there that they went on and graduated, uh, they will hit you, and, and uh, he better be ready for that. That could be quite a game. And you know, you look at East St. John's schedule after this; they, they got a couple of teams that they they, they should win, and uh, so so this is a big big game for them because they can have a chance to run the table before they go to the district. So, uh, but St. James is not going is not going to give them the football game. Uh, they'll find a way, and they will compete on that side of the river. And also, in that game, they're honoring Antoine Carter, former. A defensive coordinator for St. James again uh, passed away this past summer. Again, I want to give a shout out to Coach. Um, great man has been to multiple places in the River Parishes, but I want to go ahead and pay my respect to him. A wonderful man and a, a great friend. A Jesuit takes on Slidell, Coach. Last year, sixteen to thirteen ball game in favor of Jesuit. Slidell won a district title. We'll see if that momentum builds into this year against, as you mentioned a team in Jesuit that has to grow up quick. Yeah, uh, they're going to have to grow up. And you know, Slidell is, is really coming on. And uh, they won it last year. And they, they, they seem to be the team that, to beat over there this year uh, in, in St. Tammany Parish. Uh, they have a, they're well coached. They look like they have a, a quarterback that can throw the ball a little bit. And, and Jesuit, as I said, they, they will be tested early in their first ball game. So, uh, you know, going across the lake is always a challenge. And the things are a little bit different. But uh, I, I look for, you know, Jesuit to really grow up. Um, but do they have enough or would they be mature enough early uh, to defeat the Slidell? I don't know. It's going to be a tough one for them. Absolutely. Moving on, Madison Prep takes on Brother Martin. We just mentioned how experienced Brother Martin is in a Thursday ball game. Madison Prep uh, returns a lot this year. Very talented and experienced ball club. It'll be a good chance to see if Brother Martin can start off on the right foot. We say it every time, but you you can't get off to a false start before you even get into the Catholic League because you don't know when you're going to be able to come up for air. Yeah, I think this game will come down to the, the, the third and fourth quarter, second half. Brother Morton has, has more bodies. Uh, and Madison Prep will be really speed and, and got a little size with it, but it will come down to more size. And I think that the wear and tear of Brother Morton at the end, especially third, fourth quarter, will show. In our next matchup, we have Hornville who takes on Newman. Last year was a 35-14 to 14 victory in favor of Newman. Hornville looking to turn things around. You know, they're looking to try to put what happened in the uh, last year behind them and move forward. Meanwhile, Newman has to. 
They get they lose Arch Manning, five star quarterback. They now have some a few different players. Eli Friend is now their quarterback, and again trying to get acclimated to their new system and how to move the football. But it looked like they had a lot of success in the Jamboree, so we'll see how they can continue to try to push the envelope offensively. They'll be good on offense. Uh, Coach Stewart will, will take take on the the play calling duties once again, and I think they'll be very very good offensively because I know he's he's had an excellent uh, done an excellent job in the past. Hornville will have a bigger team. They'll they have a little bit more speed on the on the field. I really look for this to be a high scoring affair, and uh, so it's be very interesting. It's a good matchup, and and uh, you know I know Hornville is not used to going into into the, the, the Newman confines of that little stadium, uh, but uh, so that's going to be very interesting. But I look for Newman to to put up some points, and and I think Hornville will match that. It's all a matter of who's going to play the best defense. In our last prep matchup that we'll talk about is going to be Riverside traveling to St. Thomas Aquinas. Riverside beat Bogalusa 26-6 in their Jamboree win. Lose a lot of talent offensively, but for a small school, they continue to stack and compile talent. And, of course, Coach Lee Roussel uh, in his second year there taking on St. Thomas Aquinas. Oh, they'll be they'll be well coached. His whole staff. He's got a great staff with him. He's got some guys that've been head coaches on on that staff, you know. Uh, and that Coach Latchin has been there. John White's been those guys have been head coaches in the past. Uh, coach Russell himself was an excellent college coach before he we went over there. He had, a, he had the pleasure of coaching with him on my staff at one time. He's going to have them ready. I know he doesn't have a lot of players. He's got a couple of guys going both ways, but the eleven he's putting out there will be pretty good football players. So, and the, the win against Bogalusa, that's a that's a pretty good win against a very very talented Bogalusa team. And uh, so, I don't see St. Thomas Aquinas slowing them down um, any whatsoever. And we'll go ahead and move on to college football and a ton to get to, but we're going to start, of course, with our local flavor. LSU takes on Florida State in a neutral site game. Uh, Coach, you know, uh, we'll we'll dive into that in a a special segment later, but, you know, Mason Smith is going to be out for that game. LSU has to find a way defensively to overcome huge deficits from what we've seen at the cornerback position. Offensively, you have Daniels. You have around eight running backs that you can choose from, uh, a massive wide receiving core. But Florida State has a really talented offense, uh, a lot of receivers, including some transfers. And you also have to pay respect to their quarterback as well, who's done a phenomenal job in Jordan Travis. So we'll see how things play out. But I think the spread can't be tight enough for this ballgame. I think it's going to come down to the wire, maybe even a last-second field goal. I really, I really look for this to be high scoring. Jason. I think both offenses. I don't know how how you can stop Jalen, uh, Jaden Daniels. I think he's really good. The zone read stuff and RPO stuff that he can do. Uh, he can beat you with his feet or his arm. I understand that his arm got better. He's got some receivers that have really stepped up. The neighbors guy looks like he's a go-to guy, and he's got a little speed out there. He's got a couple of transfers. Uh, but as you said. And you're right. The, the secondary will be tested because this quarterback for Florida State is one of the best, I think, in the country. I think he's really, really good. And listen, Florida State, I mean, their Coach Norville, he's got some skins on the wall. I mean, that's why he's there. You know, so he he's, uh, you know, he's built that program. And uh, everybody said, well, they're build, building programs now through, through the transfer portal. It doesn't matter. It's fair to everybody. And uh, one of the big receivers, actually, LSU almost got him also, but but he ended up at Florida State. So look for this to be a higher scoring affair. It could come down. I hate to say this. It could come down to these special teams because I don't know if LSU's solved that situation. I know I do know they've solved it with return game because they got the Anderson kid there. 
I know that's 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 been settled. But is their whole kicking game going to be? It's going to be a. a, a they have to step it up. They got to. They got to go from a, a number one to all the way a ten as far as their kicking game is concerned. Because last year that kicking game was was not effective, I, and I I mean ineffective and and really uh, it, it probably cost them a national championship when you think about it. But don't count Florida State. And I think the spread is at two and a half, and uh, I think uh, you know if, if you're a betting guy, I think that two and a half could hold up. And as you pointed out, Coach, the kicking situation was definitely an issue for LSU. We'll see moving forward. I think Brian Kelly should have earned LSU fans' trust by this point. But I will say, I don't know if hiring a guy who's splitting his duties as special teams coordinator and in another role is going to be the answer. We'll see. Time will tell. My, my experience with that, it doesn't work. I think you have to have one guy to go full speed with that. Okay. And we'll go ahead and move on to our next game. South Alabama taking on Tulane. Coach, what's interesting about this game, we know the type of talent that Tulane has. We know they're coming in with a ranking next to their name, which is something that they haven't really had coming into the preseason. However, South Alabama is a scary team waiting in the weeds. Now, when you hear their name, it might not strike fear into your heart. This is a team that went on the road and nearly pulled off an upset in the Rose Bowl just a year ago. Uh pile up a, a bunch of wins, and if Tulane's not careful, they could find themselves on on upset alert here. But I know the type of coaching Tulane has, but again, this is a team that you cannot overlook and be looking at Ole Miss or any other game down the road. No question, Jason. Uh, I think this is a really, really scary game for Tulane. Uh, South Alabama returned something like 21 players from the starters from last year. That's a lot of players in, uh, to return. They're right there. And this is the biggest thing, uh, to, uh, issue that Tulane has to deal with, I think. To stay focused, because I hear a lot of talk about the Ole Miss game. You know, well, they got to they got to play this game first, and uh, the Ole Miss game is, is a week later. Uh, there's a lot of talk, and and everybody you talk to they, they overlook in South Alabama. That's not a gimme. And the other thing is, and I think Coach Frisch realizes this: Tulane is not loaded with with five star recruits. Uh, you know, they they have to play really hard and play well, and not turn the ball over and be really sound in the kicking game to win games. I mean. They just can't go out there with a lot of teams that, that, that have these five-star recruits and all these NFL draft choices. I mean, you can count the amount of draft choices they'll have with probably in two fingers. But uh, that's one thing that, that you have to understand when you coach at Tulane. These guys have to play all out just to be able to compete with people. And don't forget, they also have Southern Miss lying in the weeds as well, which is a team that they dropped the game to last year. Again, when you look retrospectively, had they played at the end of the year, Probably a different result, but again, you don't get the opportunity to play teams when you feel like it. You have to play them when they're on the schedule. Amen. So, Coach, looking at the next matchup, we have a Thursday matchup between Florida taking on Utah. We know Florida's going to have a quarterback change, uh, a lot of um, a lot of changes. But you know, Kyle Whittingham and this Utah program—they're going to be changing conferences soon. But Kyle Whittingham, I personally feel like, is the most underrated, undervalued coach probably in all of college football, because what he has done with that program has been phenomenal. And I think it's going to be a big test for Florida to go on the road. Uh, they pulled off the win at home last year, but Utah is a very sound program, beat USC twice last year. It's going to be a tough upset to pull. Uh, what people don't realize about Utah, and Utah State the same way, they're very, very physical. They get a lot of kids from from the islands, a lot of kids, uh, you know, um, from around the, they're just a they're just a real real big football team and, and they got talent now don't it's not just coaching there that he does a great job but they have a lot of talent they're, they're big and physical their offensive defensive line all always big kids and and uh, 
they will run the football on you. And, uh, but, but this is Florida. Uh, I think coach Napier is an excellent, excellent coach. I really like his offensive scheme. Uh, I don't know if he's there yet. I know they got to transfer a quarterback. I don't know if he's there yet, but you know, you know, you're in a state that has a lot, a lot of football players in the state of Florida. So it's going to take a little while, but I, I look for him to build it. Now I don't know if he can beat Utah. Utah is naturally the, the, the favorite, but if he can pull this one off, it really, really gives him a great start. And in our next matchup, we have Virginia taking on Tennessee as their Virginia will hit the road and take on the Vols. Uh, you know, coach, this Tennessee ball club uh, was pretty solid last year. You have a few changes at quarterback. You know, you're going to have um, Milton stepping in and, you mentioned that you saw during the summer that he has a heck of an arm, but it'll see if it'll be interesting to see if he can put it together against, you know, not just air, but against actual opponents. I, I don't know if he but what's between his ears, but uh, you know, he's a heck of a guy, very friendly. I talked to everybody, everybody by the time camp was over with knew him. He's got a phenomenal arm. In fact, I saw him throw a football. It, I don't know if he went 80 yards, but it went at least 75 yards in the air. And I mean, and after that, he did a backflip. So that's that's how athletic the guy is now. Uh, I think they'll get off to a good start. I don't know if Virginia's there. The Virginia's has always been a real, real competitive team, but I just don't know if they have the horses to stay with with Tennessee. And looking at our next matchup, we have Colorado taking on TCU. Coach, we've discussed this quite a few times um, in some of our phone conversations. Colorado does not have the depth. Uh, TCU loses a ton of talent. Of course, they lose a lot of offensive weapons, will which will come into play. And you also have to add in TCU played pretty much every game by the skin of their teeth. Mm-hmm. Whether it was they won most of their games, they lost two of their last three, I believe it was. But the fact of the matter is, every game was tight. So the the fascinating thing is, can Colorado with a group of talent, although paper thin? Can they go in to TCU and pull off this upset? Uh, it looks it looks like it's hard to, for, for for Coach Prime to do that. It looks like it'd be hard for him to gather a bunch of transfers and put them together in just a short period of time. Uh, you know he's going to he's going to coach them up and he's going to get them to play hard. But uh, you know TCU is established program. They're established, and any school that plays in Texas is going to have a lot of talent because I think the best state in the whole United States as far as talent is concerned is Texas. You look at some of the quarterbacks that are playing for other schools all around the country, they're from Texas or California, you know? So I really believe that, that TCU still is, is probably going to win this football game. And, and uh, if Colorado could pull this thing off, the coach prime would be coach of the year after the, after week one. Coach got to ask, we're talking about these teams, Travis Hunter, a very talented five-star player committed to coach Deion Sanders when he was at, um, when he moved over from Jackson, you know, there's a lot of talk about him playing both ways. How viable is that in a power five program for a guy to play cornerback and wide receiver? I, I think that's awfully tough, you know, because he has to have a break somewhere, you know, especially if you're running routes and you run a lot of streak routes and all of a sudden you have to come back to the huddle then and turn around. That's an awful tough combination. Maybe if it's another position, but to be receiver DB uh, now in special situations, say, okay, we need you down on the goal line, red zone. You're our guy. We go to guy. Maybe we're running screens with you. Uh, especially, and I'm hitting your ball in the reverse. I, that's different. But for as far as the, now, the only thing about, bad about that, you tell him the defense exactly where if he's in a ball game, he's not there for window dressing, you know, so he's probably going to get the football and you don't have to be a, have to be a, a great scout to realize, well, he's in the ball game. 
Absolutely. Moving on to our next matchup, you have Boise State, who travels to Washington. Boise State has gone through quite a few coaching changes over the years, but again, they always have upset on their mind. Washington, very highly ranked. Uh, this could have upset written on it. It could. They said, you know, if anybody would beat Washington, I think it, it could be right here with Boise State because they, they're a sneaky team, and they always have been. They're always there at the end, and, you know, the, those guys will play hard, play over their head. They play with a chip on their shoulder. But I will say this. I've never seen a, a, a team like Washington that can really, really stretch the field like they can. And uh, they, so um, I don't see Boise State beating them, but they certainly can give them a scare. Coach, next matchup, North Carolina, South Carolina. Um, again, our thoughts and prayers go out to the North Carolina community after um, the tragedy that fell upon their campus uh, earlier this week. But in terms of football, you have to assume that's going to have light a fire under some of these guys. And um, it'll be an interesting, interesting matchup. Coach Beamer really has South Carolina moving in the right direction. And, of course, you know, Coach uh, at UNC, they got a pretty good ball coach that you're familiar with as well. Yeah, you know, that, that it's really good because Coach Mac Brown, you know, he's, he's there. He's a great motivator. And he's a heck of a recruiter. Uh, it's a kind of a, you know, state versus state. It's a natural it's a natural rivalry there. And, uh, you know, I, I really think that's an automatic buildup to this ball game, and also the pride of the two different conferences, you know, the SEC against the ACC. So this ballgame is going to have real, real big implications. And, and, uh, but I really think that North Carolina, with that quarterback, who's probably a Heisman a candidate, uh, has a chance with the, the Derek May. So I, I look for North Carolina to prevail here. So that'll do it for our first segment. And we want to go ahead and thank our sponsor before we head to our first break. And we bring on our special guest, head coach, JT Curtis. We want to thank Accardo and Dufresne Law Firms. Daniel Accardo Jr. and R.E.P. Dufresne, your go-to River Pash lawyers. Experience, tenacity, and results. Sammy Accardo and Henri Dufresne provide comprehensive legal services in personal injury, hurricane claims, business litigation, successions, and estate planning. Our trial experience, know-how, and commitment to protect and serve our clients is unparalleled. We provide complete real estate, title, and escrow services through our affiliate State Title LLC. The River Parishes is our home, and serving our communities is our passion. Samuel Licardo Jr. and Henri P. Dufresne, your go-to River Parish lawyers. Experience, tenacity, and results. Sammy Accardo and Ari Dufresne provide comprehensive legal services in personal injury, hurricane claims, business litigation, successions, and estate planning. Our trial experience, know-how, and commitment to protect and serve our clients is unparalleled. We provide complete real estate, title, and escrow services through our affiliate, State Title LLC. The River Parishes is our home, and serving our communities is our passion. Based out of Gramercy, Louisiana, LSR produces Southern Cane Pure Cane Sugar, which is only grown, refined, and packaged in Louisiana. LSR utilizes the latest innovations in technology, as well as ensuring the growth and stability of Louisiana sugarcane farmers by integrating more than 800 growers in the industry's economic structure. Southern Cane is available in your local associated grocers and Rouse's supermarkets. Since 1972, Riverlands Insurance Services has been dedicated to securing the best insurance products and services available to protect you, your family, your assets, and your business. Our goal has been to establish a strong relationship and partnership 
between you, the insurance company, and our agency, creating a circle of success that prepares for disasters before they actually happen. Welcome back to the Let's Be Frank video podcast, and we're going to head into our second segment with our special guest tonight who's been the head coach for 55 years, has won 615 games as a head coach, and has won 28 state championship games. Our special guest tonight is the head coach of the John Curtis Patriots, JT Curtis Coach. Thank you so much for joining us. And um, a quick question before we go ahead and get started. You know, football is a game that's ever-changing, and over the course of your career, you're, you're still maintained at the top of your competition. Uh, how have you had to adapt your approach to the day-to-day, um, day-to-day game planning for football in modern day? Uh, you know, I, I believe this, and I, and I think Coach Monica would agree with this. Kids want the same thing today that they wanted in 1969, 1979, 1989, 1999. They want to be disciplined. They want to know that you care about them. They want to know that you're interested in them more than besides just football, but that you try to approach them as people. And and even though there are times when they certainly uh, resist your discipline or they, they resist uh, your correction, that's what they really want. And so it really hasn't changed from that perspective, in my, in my opinion. Uh, certainly uh, the invention of the... Uh, Telephone, certainly with the long hair, the Afro hair, the, the beards, the, all those things come and go. Uh, but the discipline and the love that you participate with them in, in terms of, 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 of them as individual uh, young men, has never changed and I don't think ever will. Exactly. Coach, well said. Well said. Coach, you know, we were talking prior to the time we went on the air, how things have changed for you and I from the tape standpoint. Uh, from the Super 8 tape to the 16-millimeter tape. Now we're Zooming. Can you believe we're Zooming this? And, and, Unbelievable. Uh, and I, we can't believe how that transition has taken place you know, over the years. And you've been through this uh, now going through six decades of, of coaching. And, um, you know, times have changed, Coach, but you said it right. Um, I don't think your value system ever changes as a coach. You know what no. I mean? I don't think you can. You can't be someone else. So I appreciate you saying that. Coach, I, I don't want to go too much further. Jason talked about uh, about all your championships and big event coming up in, in the future, but I want to also talk to your family. I had the pleasure of coaching your son and, and Johnny. Uh, Jeff was a, I had personally coached Jeff and, and what a fine player he was. And also just a, a fine person, good Christian guys. I know he's got the five kids. He's always running around and, and, uh, and, and Johnny was just a hard nosed guy that when he transferred to Tulane and got an opportunity to meet them and, and, and coach with them. So that was great. And, and I know your wife Lydia is, is also, you know, she participates in the school. She's a, she's a singer, and uh, it must be nice just to just to have everybody in school in the family affair. Not to mention the other guys that you have on your staff. You know, uh, Leon and, and some of the other. You got a great coaching staff, coaches. And uh, I mean, it's not 
I, when you watch, when anybody plays against you guys, they better be prepared. Well, you know, Frank, I appreciate you saying that because they are. They were good young men. They were young men who I thought uh, have have uh, been examples not only uh, as players but but as fathers and now as coaches. I think that they have made a difference in the lives of the young men that they've been associated with. And to be honest with you, they picked up those values not only from me and from her mom, but from the coaches they were around at the collegiate level. And and uh, guys like you and and uh, the other coaches that that Jeff and Johnny had the opportunity to play with have have given them a lot of direction about things that they should do and the way that they should conduct themselves. And to be honest with you, by the same token. Uh, some things that maybe they shouldn't do, and how they how they react and how they treat people. So I remember uh, your dad too. That mean uh, can't, you can't omit him because he's the guy that set the standard, and he was a great leader. Well, you know, here was the deal with him, and 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 people really don't understand that that in in his mind, this was a direction that God was bringing him, and he was not going to be deterred from it. Uh, the story of how this school began is just unbelievable, and it was a God-centered thing, and, and he was able to overcome a tremendous amount of obstacles. I have this question asked to me a lot. How do y'all all work together? We can't get along when we in the house. How do y'all all work together? Well, I'm going to tell you, my mom and dad wouldn't have it the other way. It wasn't an option. We were going to work together, and we were going we to be a family that supported one another, and and again, I think it comes from leadership in the home, and it comes from a Christian perspective of what God intends for the, the head of the home. The, the, the man in the home should be the example for the whole family. And uh, I, I, I'm so proud of our, uh, my sons, and now I've had the opportunity for uh, my grandson to, to join the staff. And, and it's just, it's absolutely a joy to be a part of that, to be honest with you. No question. And your dad set the standard for that, Coach, you know, because I've always said that a fish always thinks from his head, you know, so you have to have that headmaster, somebody to start the whole thing. Coach, I want to also talk about we can't let this night go without that unprecedented moment that you have coming up, hopefully, uh, where you break the you break the record. And I know that you're being bombarded with this thing, and, and um, I know you. It's, it's hard just to say that it's another game, but uh, I know this could be a big celebration when that time comes. But just think about what you're doing on a national scale and everything that you've accomplished, all the Hall of Fame that you're already in, but but this is something that will stand forever. Uh, what's your feeling about you and your family and, and, and everything? How do you kind of keep your focus here? Well, you know, I, I've always had the philosophy that, that I cannot control tomorrow, uh, that I can only control today and what I do today and my preparation for the day. I can't change the past, but I can certainly learn from the past. And so what I've tried to do through the years is, is and, and, and you said it too, Frank, having, having guys like Legon and, and you remember Mike Robertson who passed away a few years ago was with me as an offensive line coach. And then having these guys that have been part of the John Curtis program has been such a benefit to us and, and, and having them understand the importance of preparation and taking care of the business of the day. Uh, and tomorrow will take care of itself. Uh, if we do what we need to do today, and we do it as, as, as best we can, tomorrow will take care of itself. And that's the approach that I've taken uh, with the games that we're playing now. Certainly, I, I get asked about this a lot, and, and I understand that. But my responsibility is not about tomorrow. It's about today. And the young men 
to get them prepared for the game that they're going to play. Look, my dad said this a long time ago, and I'll never forget this. He said, you remember that you had your day in the sun. This is their day. This is their time. And, and everything that we do should be geared toward letting those young men have the best opportunity to be successful uh, as, as young men and to grow, uh, as the scripture says, in wisdom and in statue and in favor with both God and man. And, and that's how we've tried to approach it. And that's what I'm going to continue to do as we move through these next few weeks. You know, the guy, good Lord also blessed you, Coach, with health, that you could be on the sideline. Because you know that many of us uh, that that have been into coaching know how intense it is, and it takes its toll on you physically. But you've been blessed with good health to be able to stay on that sideline and still going, Coach. Uh, I also want to swap a little bit about, and uh, you know, everybody talks about different offenses now. You got people running the spread, one back stuff, and throwing the ball all over the RPOs and things. But you have stuck to your guns, and your philosophy is to run the split back view and run the football, even though your defenses have been great over time. Uh, you have good offenses and good players, but your defense has been just relentless over over the years. And but uh, explain to me why did you decide to go with the Veer? And you, nobody runs it better than you guys. And uh, one thing that we notice as, as being a competitor against you guys, if you take something away, you know exactly what the, what the next step is and what to go to. Well, and I, and I think that's really the key. I, you know, I, I I don't like the flavor of the month. You know, I think I think you find what you feel comfortable in. You find that uh, the things that you can do, and that you have answers for what's going to happen to you on defense. And 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 you don't grab bag to grab an answer. That you have a sound football reason for what you do. And and hopefully that we've been able to do that. And obviously in the split back rear, uh, it's something that people have not seen recently as much as they did in the past. And, and we feel like that through the years, we've been able to develop some thinking about if they do this, that we can counter with that. And, and you know, football is a game of 11 on 11, and who can get the advantage in terms of uh, finding a position or a place where you can maybe get, take an advantage from a numbers perspective. So I, I think this, Frank. I don't care what level I coached on. If I'd have coached, uh, gone ahead and coached in college or if I'd have gone on and coached in pro ball or had that opportunity, some form of option would have been a part of my offense because it presents such pressure on the defense to be able to, to handle the option and the passing game simultaneously, I think really gives us an advantage and, and really – limits what a defense can do in the secondary and therefore makes the passing game uh, a, a little easier to execute. Coach, you remember a guy by the name of Yeoman that coached at Houston. Yes, sir. When he started, started coming out with the, this split back viewer stuff, and they're not blocking two people at the line of scrimmage, and everybody was going crazy. And then he goes to clinics, and and uh, and he's telling people we're not blocking two people. And everybody fell in love with it. He said, my guts, I love this offense. You don't have to block a couple people. You know, but, well, yeah. I, I tell people this, Frank. Sometimes your your best player, I don't have to block. I, I can block him with a hundred and fifty pound back, because if we don't tackle him, he's going to run past him. And and I just think again, that's an advantage to this offense. There are two guys on the line of scrimmage that, in theory, I do not have to block. They're going to have to execute and tackle the dive. And if they don't, we're going to give the ball to the dive back, and 
control the clock and walk, bring it down the uh, bring it down the field and uh, let them get frustrated that they can't sack the quarterback. And uh, I think it is definitely an advantage in, in our style of offense. I want a quick story, Coach. Uh, Larry Zerline, you remember him? He was offensive sure. coach with us at Tulane. In fact, he, he coached Jerry Godfrey, and uh, he worked with Coach Yeoman. And he said, well, Coach, he said, um, what happens if they start doing this and, and, they, and they take this away? And he said, Psh, call timeout. <laughs> I, I used to tell that story all the time. Coach, Coach also, I, I got to ask, you know, uh, you've been, you sent a number of kids uh, to college and, and some even in, in the pros. The, I mean, approximately how many guys have you sent on to college from, from your program? I, you know, Frank, I have no idea. I, you're right. It's been a bunch. And, when, when you count all levels, including at Division three, it's a lot of guys. It, it really is. And, and we've been very blessed to be able to do that. But, you know, I said today at the quarterback club luncheon, 99% of the guys that play for us and played for you aren't going to play in college. This is their moment. This is, this is their opportunity. And, and, and though we've had some really outstanding players, and you've played against some of them, uh, it's high school football. And, right. and the game is won and lost with high school kids that are just dedicated, committed to, and, and love playing the game. You know, we don't have the uh, NIL stuff. We don't have all the fancy uh, deals that they have. They they play because they love the game, and and really that's what makes coaching at this level a lot of fun. It's it's what I call the purity of the sport. It is just pure competitive want to play. Uh, want to continue to improve themselves. And, and certainly my job is to encourage that. Sometimes I got to do it in a more vocal way than others. But, but again, they're out there because they want to be in, and, and, the, and they want to compete. And it's what makes this sport so great. No question, Coach. They, they, kids love structure. They love, they love structure, you know. Uh, Coach, you mentioned earlier something about opportunities. And I know you had to have a lot of opportunities to go to college, uh, maybe even the pros or, or something, something like that. Uh, I know I kind of lived that, and I, I look back sometimes that maybe I should have done done something else. Have you ever had any regrets about about doing that, or you thought this was your calling? No, I, I really. Well, I feel like this. I think both teaching and coaching is a calling. I I, I think that if you're going to teach at the high school, junior high school level, elementary school level. It's a special person that's able to do that. You know, I walk into our five-year-old or four-year-old class, and and all those little kids will be, oh, yeah, man, and I'm thinking to myself, my goodness, I couldn't do this if they paid me a million dollars. But those teachers just love doing it. They love the kids. The same thing with junior high school kids. It's that's a tough age to coach and to teach uh, in a classroom, and. And I, I think it's a calling, and I have always felt like that uh, what I do and what uh, my sons do is a calling, and they, they love it, and, and they feel like this is where God has directed their life, and I think that's one of the reasons that they're successful at it. And, yep. and, yep. and I, I truly believe that it, it's something that's very special. And do I have a regret? Absolutely not. Now, i got to be honest with you. When they started paying them $5 million a year, my wife kind of frowned a little bit, you know, she, <laughs> she, she would have maybe liked that $5 million and $8 million a year, but you know what? You can't buy the things that we have and you can't buy. And I know you with your sons, 
the experiences that you've had with your sons and your grandchildren. You, you can't buy it. It's not for sale. Amen. Amen. Coach, you know, I got the expression that uh, my wife and I, we never go to a restaurant that doesn't have a drive-up window. You know what I mean? How that goes. <laughs> <laughs> Coach, that one thing I, I was, I, wanted to, I got two more questions for you, but this, I remember we were playing you guys and, um, and of course, you know, I'm responsible for a lot of you, you win. So you, you owe me part of that trophy, you know, something <laughs> like that. But anyway, we were playing you guys and, and uh, we couldn't get over it. your defensive line on one particular play. I mean, they were taking the right step, and they, they was they were doing the, a, a rip and, a rip technique, and they all all three of them were just perfect. They looked like the Radio City Rockets, and I said, "My God, look at that right there! That's that's coaching." And and uh, of course, you that that was that was a product of, of your program and stuff like that. But coach, my other question to you said, um, "Do you have a standout moment or game experience or something that in your career?" that uh, you can remember it might have been an incident it, it might have been something that happened you know with your family or something like that uh, you know every year has produced something that has been just a real joy really has um, you know I, going to Hoover and and uh, winning that game at Hoover on ESPN and uh, Hoover coming off of that two a day program that I, I thought was uh, not really appropriate for high school, to be honest with you. And and to go in their backyard and to win that ball game uh, was really a highlight. It was it was something that was very special. Uh, but every year there's been something that that you that you look back on and say, boy, what a what a special moment that was for this student or this athlete or this play. But uh, you know, certainly winning that first one in 1975 was exciting because. Um, nobody knew who John Curtis was at that point. Uh, we played Notre Dame McCrowley, and uh, a quick story: we, we we played him at City Park, and uh, at that time there was no turf; it was just dirt. Uh, and you could imagine what City Park looked like in uh, December. And and the coach from Notre Dame said, "We can't play here. This field's not playable." <laughs> and I and I said, "Well, this is where we got to play. It's the only place we can play." And I said, they rolled it with the big roller right before the game. It'll be okay. <laughs> and it looked at me like I was crazy because there was no grass on the field. And, of course, we, we ended up winning it 13-12 uh, to 12 and won our first state championship. And and, and, and that team has, has always had a very special place uh, uh, in our heart and in our school. Coach, you know the, um, the Hoover game you talked about, and we were playing you back then at that time. And when you when you played them, I told I might have mentioned to you and, and a couple other people, uh, even the press, that Hoover doesn't know what they're getting into. And I said, uh, because if you haven't played John Curtis, you don't really know what you're getting into. And, uh, you know, that, that I remember that very well. And coach, I also remember a game that you and I met in the semifinals that you Yenny. And with the sleeting and everything. With the the sleet and the <laughs> snow and the freezing cold. And, and one of your assistants, I can't remember. I don't know if it was Coach Stein. I can't remember who it was. Came out in short sleeve shirt. And he yes. was going to he was yes. gonna show him that weather didn't make any difference. Halftime, he was bundled up. He came out at halftime. And he said, heck with this, man. We were all blue. We were all that, blue. <laughs> it was, that was a miserable night. You're exactly right. The quarterback poor thing. I mean, he was a good quarterback too. The first pass he threw actually landed on a track because he couldn't feel his fingers. You know, something like that. You know, I get on Ed Davis all the time. I I I built a little shelter under the uh, overhang at East Jefferson, and I tried to get my quarterbacks to go under the shelter between uh, 
defensive series so they could try to stay warm. Right. I couldn't get in because Daniel and his ca- cameraman were in there, and I couldn't get in out of the doggone shelter. <laughs> it was miserable. Uh, Coach, last but not least, you know, the, we're going through the time with the LHSAA and about this injunction. And back I'm, on the Let's Frank, Be Frank segment of it, I'm going to talk about that about this injunction going on that, that might change the playoff drastically. That would really impact you guys. And go, and if it stands, it could go back could go back to 13 uh, teams in your division, and I hope it doesn't. Uh, but uh, it's going to have quite an impact on football, and, and I really don't know. I mean, if, but I got a lot to say about that because I, I really think that, you know, uh, you know how I feel about the whole organization right now. And sure. I think Mr. Bonine is trying to do the best he can uh, with it, but uh, that, that's a little curveball that could take place. We don't know when that appeal is going to take place. No, and, and that's what I think that's what the real concern is. Are they going to get this thing done in time so that we can all make the adjustments we need to make? But here's the deal, Frank. It, it, it doesn't hurt me. It hurts these kids. I, that's what I have such a hard time understanding, man. Anybody that would look at that playoff system that we had to participate in for all those years would couldn't in no way, shape, or form think that was fair, think that was an equitable system. And what Mr. Bonine did is he stepped up and said, wait a minute. If the complaint has been that the private schools and the parochial schools can take children outside of their district, and you other schools now are doing the same thing, then by definition, you're moving into the select division just like they do. Mm-hmm. And now they don't like that. They, they don't want to abide by their own uh, by their own rules. The rules that the whole deal was... We could get kids from outside of our district, and they couldn't, and so forth and so on. And whether that was true or not true, that was what was going on then. Well, Mr. Bonine stepped in and said, ho, ho, this is an inequity. We're going to get it straight, and I appreciate him standing up for what was right. And and the last thing I'll say, and I think I mentioned this before, they tried to get this thing changed twice during the summertime. They tried to get a quorum of principals that really believed this was an unfair situation and they could not gather enough people together to get a quorum to get a vote. That ought to say something to the judge. These principals are running this association. They have not approved what is going on and we need to proceed as we have in the past. All they had to do is ratify coaching January have been so simple and all the things. And it was last year, uh, and I will say this later, they had a competitive Superdome experience. I mean, the games in the Superdome last year, all of them were pretty good football games. Yes, know, sir. So, no so question. There's a criteria that he can lean on right there. And so to get you, there, and to get there, Frank, it was competitive. Yes. To go yes. on the road and have to play people was competitive. And 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 that's what this thing should be about. So I, I hope that we'll uh, continue on as we have in the past. Yeah, Coach, you remember that, I mean, there's, there's a school complaining about playing up in, in 5A. Well, you know, we've all had, had to endure that over time, you know, playing up. And you played 4A for years and years when we were all together. You know, right. though you had a 2A enrollment. Uh, right. I remember that well. But, Coach, listen, I really appreciate everything you've, you've done for the program, for your program, and, and uh, being on our program and, and your future. And and, uh, and the national champion, it would be nice to know that, well, we played against we played against you. We, we're part of that, and we help you get there faster than uh, than than most people. And um, you have a have a heck of a family, coach. And um, uh, it's just a pleasure for you to be our first guest of the year on on this podcast. Also, and we can't thank you enough for doing that. And and lots of luck, and 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 also luck with your health. And and also we pray for your wife and 
in uh, in our her health and 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 the boys as well and your whole family. Well, I appreciate that. And before we close, let me say this to you. I, I, I know you're a very modest man, but you were a great role model for my son, and you were a great role model. Uh, and we talk about uh, uh, that experience he had with you all at Tulane, and and what an influence you were in his life, and. And to see your sons uh, carry that forward and to, and to, and to continue to be uh, the role model they are for that community is uh, is a tribute to you and, and your wife and, and your whole family. So thank you for having me, and we look forward to a great year and uh, uh, look forward to have the opportunity to visit with you all again. Thank you so much, Coach, and, and good luck, and God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. We want to once again thank head coach of the John Curtis Patriots, J.T. Curtis. And we'd also like to thank our sponsor, LSR, for being a sponsor of the Let's Be Frank video podcast. LSR produces Southern Cane Pure Cane Sugar, which is only grown, refined, and packaged in Louisiana. Southern Cane is available in your local associated grocers and Ross's supermarkets. Samuel Licardo Jr. and R.E.P. Dufresne, your go-to River Parish lawyers. Experience, tenacity, and results. Sammy Licardo and Ari Dufresne provide comprehensive legal services in personal injury, hurricane claims, business litigation, successions, and estate planning. Our trial experience, know-how, and commitment to protect and serve our clients is unparalleled. We provide complete real estate, title, and escrow services through our affiliate, State Title LLC. The River Parishes is our home, and serving our communities is our passion. Based out of Gramercy, Louisiana, LSR produces Southern Cane Pure Cane Sugar, which is only grown, refined, and packaged in Louisiana. LSR utilizes the latest innovations in technology, as well as ensuring the growth and stability of Louisiana sugarcane farmers by integrating more than 800 growers in the industry's economic structure. Southern Cane is available in your local associated grocers and Rouse's supermarkets. Since 1972, Riverlands Insurance Services has been dedicated to securing the best insurance products and services available to protect you, your family, your assets, and your business. Our goal has been to establish a strong relationship and partnership between you, the insurance company, and our agency, creating a circle of success that prepares for disasters before they actually happen. Welcome back to our third and final segment of the Let's Be Frank video podcast. We would like to thank our sponsor, Riverlands Insurance, for being a part of the Let's Be Frank podcast. Since 1972, Riverlands Insurance Services has been dedicated to securing the best insurance products and services available to protect you, your family, your assets, and your business. Our goal has always been to establish a strong relationship and partnership between you the insurance company, and our agency, creating a circle of success that prepares for disasters before they actually happen. Let's go ahead and move on to our Let's Be Frank segment. 
And coach, we kind of uh, alluded to it earlier, but uh, today you're going to go ahead and talk about the LHSA playoff injunction and uh, what that entails. So go ahead and take it away. That, yes, uh, everybody. Let me first of all say, if you're confused about this, this whole issue, uh, welcome to the club because almost everybody actually is. There's hasn't been much uh, clarification on on uh, what's going on here. There's been a, a, a lack of transparency. But uh, basically, what has happened uh, last year, the LHSA decided to to redefine the definition of what select was, which meant to put more schools in the playoff in the playoff brackets, and the definition which meant that if you had some type of component. Uh, a magnet component or a charter school component where you can draw from anywhere in your parish and and the play you'll consider it a select school based on 25% of your enrollment being from outside that particular parish. Well, they expanded that particular definition and more people were put on the side of what they call select. And it was almost balanced, even more schools in the LSSAA rather than select. Personally, I'd love to see him hear me say this before. I'd love to see him change the name, the ugly, ugly term of select and non-select. I think it'd be better served if it went traditional or non-traditional. So what had happened, there were nine schools, and mostly from North Louisiana. Uh, four of those schools don't even play football. They filed an injunction against the LHSAA claiming that, that, that it was unfair as far as the bracket was concerned. The leader of that was, uh, was Neville High School. Uh, their principal was also an, ex, an ex-football coach. Claimed that, that, well, basically, they were playing they were playing in 5A competition and they would love to prefer to play in 4A competition like they were years before. Well, there was supposedly two other meetings and, and um, it was never ratified actually what Select was and um, in, in terms of that. And then in January meeting, it was not brought up at the January meeting. And this is the big meeting that the LHSA meets and they decide on constitutional issues every January held at the Crown, Crown Plaza. Well, it, well. Anyway, as as of last week, the junction fell uh, went through, and the judge ruled. The judge ruled in favor of these schools, meaning that right now there's a stoppage of playoff the way it is. So we really don't know what the playoff format is going to be in December, or I'm sorry, in November when the 10 game schedule is over with. So right now there's appeal process. Nobody knows what when that's going to take place. And the, the judge ruled based on this now, and listen to this statement, the judge ruled that the principals really did not know what they were voting on at that particular time when they changed it. Now you're talking about 80% of all the LHSAA schools voted for this proposal and the, to do this kind of this sort of thing. And some of those schools didn't even go, some of the nine schools, Four of them didn't even go to, to make the vote. So basically, the judge made the ruling on that people did not know what they were voting on. And now you got to listen to this, how ludicrous this is to make that statement, because who is he talking to? He's talking to principals of schools who are PhDs. They're masters. They have master's degrees. Uh, these people have been in education some for 30, 40 years and they don't they can't read. Uh, let me tell you how this works. Uh, about two or three weeks before every every convention in January, they have meetings and they call them area meetings. And they, the principals go to these area meetings and they go through the agenda and they, they describe to them exactly what the agenda item is going to be. If you vote yes, that's what it means. If you vote no, that's what it means. Now, and also this, on the Thursday, they have what they call, but prior to the Friday vote, which is always on a Friday, prior to the big meeting or the voting meeting, they have class meetings. So you go in your particular class, whatever you are, whether you class A, 2A or whatever, and you go to the class meeting. Again, these agenda items are talked about. And if there's a high profile item, uh, it's brought, brought up to the floor and discussed. And then, and, and then on Friday, 
the parliamentary will tell you the rules of, of the convention and also the leader, the LCSA president, will, will, will tell you exactly how you're voting on this thing. If you vote no and they have a little clicker in your hand or you vote yes, they tell you exactly what you're voting for. So for the judge to insinuate that these people didn't know what they were voting for, that, I'm, that the lawyers can pick that pick that apart, and that this thing this thing is not going to. I don't think going to go anywhere as far as that's concerned. But now this could happen if the junction goes through. Uh, you could see the, the select schools going back and saying, "Why wouldn't they?" I know I would. I would go back to the venue they had two years ago, where they could find their own championship game, and it would make a lot more money than playing in the Superdome. So you can see that happening. Uh, Mr. Bonine tried to keep them all together. Uh, this is not he inherited this situation. It's not it's not his fault. And, and, and uh, you know, a lot of people looked at this as him running an end run. Uh, let me tell you what could happen. And uh, just just remember that, that I said this. This judge could rule that. Wait a minute now. With all this controversy about what select is, why don't we just go way back to 2013 and put it all back together again? And then, wow, then that would be that would be tremendous. I would think a, a lot of people like to see that. Naturally, some won't. But I, I really I, I really uh, would. would it, Encourage anybody to stay tuned because we really don't know where, where this is going to go. Thank you, Coach, for giving us that information. And we know that there's been so much back and forth over, you know, which way this playoff system is going to go, how it was last year, how it will finally settle. But, again, still a lot to look forward to in terms of how things will play out there. Uh, and our next segment, we'll have our Blitz the Ball Coach segment where Coach is going to uh, answer a question from – uh, either myself or somebody out there in the Twitterverse or in the world. So, Coach, uh, this week's question that we want to have answered is, what is the difference between bracket and man coverage? You know, Jason, if you watch a lot of football, a lot of times these commentators will try to tell you how much what they know. I really wish I had a board behind me, and, I, and there's no reason why I should not in the future. Uh, but man coverage, is just, it's, it's, there's a lot of different types of man coverage. You can have what they call cover one, which means one safety, and everybody else is a man, but the, the safety is a free safety. He's, he's able to float and go anywhere he wants to. That's called man free. Uh, you have another cover, what they call uh, zero coverage, means pure man, and there's no free safety. It's locked up coverage. Uh, and that there's nobody in the middle of the field, but everybody has a man to cover. Uh, that's zero coverage. But bracket coverage, bracket coverage is when you take a receiver, for instance, if you have two receivers on one side, you're going to bracket one of the receivers. In other words, you get on the left, you get on the same level, maybe eight or 10 yards deep. And suppose the bracket calls for, we're going to bracket the number two receiver, which means the second guy in the slot. So what happens, if that's the case, the, there's underneath coverage, man coverage on one guy, but there's double coverage on the other guy. And it's real, it's real easy to do and really easy to disguise. And it's up to the quarterback. So, so you can bracket either guy on your side. If you want to bracket the outside guy, you just wait till he comes off the line of scrimmage. But somebody has to play that one guy man. So it's up to the quarterback to find where the single coverage is because the other guy has two people side by side. Now, what does that mean? They've got a guy uh, on the left side of him, right side of him, on either side, and they kind of, they kind of box him in. It's a little different than what they call two-man coverage, where somebody's underneath and somebody's on top. This is a side-by-side -side type of coverage. that people it's, it's quite easy to disguise, and it's up to the quarterback, what they call the, the post-snap read. After the third step, a quarterback normally gets what they call a post-snap read. When he's underneath the center or an initial snap, he, that's a pre-snap read. He says, well, this is where they are now. But then he has to look for the rotation. Some people disguise it extremely well. And that's what it's all about. You know, in college and the NFL, 
Uh, it's not like high school. In high school, you're going to see a lot of the same coverages the entire game, depending upon formation. Uh, but when you get to college and, and the pros, almost every snap is a different look, a different front, and a, and a different uh, situation. But bracket coverage is very, very effective. And if a quarterback does not recognize it right away, he's going to throw several, several interceptions. Thank you, Coach, for breaking down that question for us. And, uh, of course, appreciate the wealth of knowledge that you bring. We're going to go ahead and move on to our last segment, which is the lock of the week. Uh, Coach, I think I'm going to go for a different strategy this year. I'm going to try to win the games that I pick, right? I I couldn't have won if I was betting on a one-horse race last year. So let's try to move away from those losses and and get some wins in the column. I didn't do much better, Jason. I got to add that. I didn't do much better. I at least heard some wins from you. I don't know if I picked a win all year. I mean, if you you picked the opposite of what I picked last year, you probably made bank. So uh, hopefully I can do better this year for our listeners. Now, Coach, uh, who is going to be your pick for this first week? I'm going to go with North Carolina, and I'm going to spot South Carolina to the two and a half points. And I'm going to go North Carolina, big crosstown rivalry. But I, I, it's a sentimental pick because I had a chance to know that Derek May in the Manning camp, and that's a sentimental pick, and that's a real, real bad reason to make a pick. And when you when you try to you try to gamble, so that's not very good foundation. Coach, I'm going to go ahead and go different. I usually go with the favorite. I'm going to go ahead and pick East Carolina plus thirty-five and a half. They're playing Michigan. It is on the road. East Carolina is usually a sneaky, dangerous team, and Michigan's without a head coach. So we'll see how that plays out on the sideline. I do think that'll cause some confusion, and it'll give just enough effort for ECU to pull out, uh, pull off the points. But we'll see. I've been wrong before. So we'll see if I can change my luck. Um, exactly. But that'll do it here for us, and we want to go ahead and make sure you guys know where to follow us on our social medias. Again, you can follow us on Facebook at the let's be frank video podcast you can follow us on twitter instagram in and, and tiktok at dlbf podcast and you can also listen to us on spotify apple podcast and google podcast so that'll wrap things up for our first episode and coach any final words before we head out of here uh the only thing just special you know uh ryan perilu and, and jay roth will be inducted to the lsaa um, hall of fame um, at next year so um uh, kudos to those guys that they well deserved and uh, certainly they, they, both these guys are local jay with that rumble and ryan perilous right there playing at east st john so uh, congratulations to those guys and and listen guys everybody please go to church of your choice every sunday thank you so much coach and we want to thank everybody for listening again join us next week same time same place so for Coach Monica, and for Justin Thomas, I am Jason Dewey. And remember, Leslie Baltimore, let the good times roll.